Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. This one we have Sam Arredondo, who is an athletic trainer uh, in the industrial setting, but also part of the Industrial Athletic Training Society's Board of Directors. Uh, he appeared on our roundtable discussion with them, which we will link up in the show notes. Uh, the reason we want to talk to Sam is, A, just because of his unique uh path to the industrial setting and really doing a lot of other settings as well. But also quite a while ago, he had a tweet that really did a great job of describing the versatility of athletic trainers and what the profession can bring to the table, both in kind of the traditional in quote setting, if you will, but also just in general. And so we really kind of break that tweet down and really talk about the details of it. And he has a couple great one-liners, if you will, to help describe the profession, ones that I will definitely be using in the future. So, lots to cover there. Um, as always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Can't thank them enough for their support uh, of us and the, the profession. Uh, really, they want to help ATs do what they need to do as easily as possible and make it affordable. Check them out for your sports medicine needs. If you want to check something out, reach out to one of their reps. They're happy to get involved with you and get you what you need to check it out to see if it's something that you need to utilize. But without further ado, please enjoy this episode. This episode of Athletic Training Chat with Sam Arredondo. If you listen to our roundtable kind of episode with the Industrial Athletic Training Society, you met him on there. Uh, he is an industrial athletic trainer out in California. We were just talking offline a little bit about uh, the stuff going on with the legislative bill and everything out there. And unfortunately, how that's seemingly evolved, but we may get into that a little bit. Um, but ultimately, uh, Sam had a tweet quite a while back from when this episode is being released, but it it garnered a lot of attention, I think, um, as it should have. And so that kind of um, really inspired our conversation wanting to have this talk. But before we get into all that, Sam, I want to just turn it over to you uh, to kind of fill in a little bit about your background, uh, what you're doing currently, and then we'll jump into the episode. Yeah, um, so I've been an athletic trainer for about eight years now. I'm uh I'm born and raised in Fresno, California. So I'm I'm actually uh by Southern California. So I, I work in Fresno and I'm back to you know providing healthcare to the people that I grew up with pretty much. Um went to school to, in Sacramento, um, worked college athletics for five years, um, in college division one football. Um <clears throat> went on to get my DAT from Indiana State University, uh, and actually moved back to the Central Valley originally just before COVID for a high school athletic training position. Um, and then COVID took me away from that. And uh, I went and worked with the military for about two years um, with the Marine Corps and SOCOM. And then Fresno called me back. You know, I'm, I actually work at a 
at a, manu a bottling, uh, soda bottling and distribution um, manufacturing site right now working with industrial uh, athletes and uh, working on, you know, occupational health and uh, injury prevention. So, yeah, obviously, Joel, we connected through the Industrial Athletic Trainer Society. So grateful for the move that I've made in, in many, many realms when professionally and personally, it's been it's been an amazing move for me. Awesome. Yeah, you've seemingly done just a little bit of everything um, <laughs> yeah. in the profession in such a short time, but that's awesome. Uh, so I was just going to read the tweet so people, if they didn't see it, that are listening could kind of uh, get the full version of it. I will maybe try and go back and screenshot it if I can dig back through um, for the episode um, site. But uh, as it goes, athletic training is one of the most valuable healthcare professions, and that's why it's still misunderstood. Hard to find another healthcare profession that has the orthopedic and gen med knowledge, sideline evaluation skills that we have, and that's cutting the list very, very short. So many other healthcare professions are easy to understand because of what you see them do is typically what they primarily do. When you see what an AT does once, that might just be them doing that skill once. People simply don't understand everything we are skilled at doing. We are the most adaptable, multi-skilled healthcare provider out there. Simply the availability of having an AT around is tremendous. We aren't the Swiss Army knife or the whole toolbox. I love that last line, uh, especially just from a lot of different things. And in talking with other professionals within AT, that's kind of always been some of their goal as well is, you know, when you say nurse, most people that have an idea of what a nurse does, you know, obviously there's multiple areas that they work in across all aspects of healthcare, but athletic trainers do not have that same brand, if you will, recognition. So, right. Kind of tying it all back for what inspired the tweet? Well, um, I, honestly, I thought about this when I was in the manufacturing site because there's so many things that go on um, manufacturing wise that as a healthcare provider, I have no idea what's going on. I talk to, especially when it comes to talking to supervisors and things like that, um, they speak another language. And I sure. realized that we that we also speak another language but we put it in terms that most people or we should put it in terms that that everybody can understand so um it it, it i think it takes away from I, I get i get the idea from basically when i was there i was like every speak everybody speaks in this language i have no idea what's going on 80 percent of the time until it comes to injuries and then i know exactly what's going on right um, but when I speak that language, they're like, I, I meet the level of the person that I'm speaking to as we should. Um, I think healthcare should be accessible to everybody. But um, when it comes to other other languages that we don't have an experience in, we really don't understand. And these and especially in manufacturing, it's as diverse as as um, an aspect as anything else can be in the, the knowledge that they bring in terms of how machines run um productivity numbers i mean you name it there's there's so many metrics that they that they track and follow that um i realized that okay i have no idea like how to place a value on these people's knowledge because i don't know what they're saying i don't i don't know what these what what each of these things are worth and what what each of these individuals bring to the table based on their experience and i think in a lot of ways athletic trainers too kind of see the same problem just a reverse role but 
there's a value there's there's value added from those people in manufacturing based on people's other people's experience and knowledge athletic trainers i think previously were hired by a lot of non-athletic trainers people that don't really speak the language and understand everything that we do um, because we don't do the hot necessarily hospital care where we're prescribing medications or in most cases suturing people or or dealing with very intensive care things except in that one brief aspect where you may see an athletic trainer doing something remarkable like in the last couple i mean the other day like two days ago yeah you know, Bronnie james got saved by an athletic trainer and that staff has had to save two two of their athletes student athletes in the last year um damar hamlin obviously so those those are the things that bring to light our profession which is um, kudos to them, but um, a lot of times in the past, I think athletic trainers have kind of lived in the dark and um, you know been hired by non-healthcare professional healthcare people who don't understand literally everything that we are trained to do and are knowledgeable in. I fully agree with that. <laughs> uh, having some of those experiences my, myself. Uh, in your experience, and again, we were just kind of joking, you know, that you've done a lot um, and just multiple experiences, you know, even working in the military, getting buy-in there now in the industrial setting, which I guess would have to guess involve getting more buy-in, but how do you see like us getting what we do behind the scenes out there and using that as a way to advocate and market ourselves for the profession because even in my experience in the traditional if you will in quotes you know collegiate setting yeah our ad generally knows what we do i you know at the time and obviously sees us out of practice and da, 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 but you know that's what they see it's the coverage of it all very rarely did they come down to our facility and actually see what went into everything else, you know, to get to the point where we're actually out at the competition field or whatever it may be. Um, so how have you seen, you know, really trying to sell that and highlight those things? Yeah. So, I mean, industry is a kind of a perfect example on, on what athletic trainers are really at the heart of it, really good at doing. We're really good at, at saving costs in a lot of ways. Um, traditional setting you know we we do spend quite a bit of money getting the medical necessity when you look at what we do overall in healthcare healthcare is a, a lot of times revenue generating and even in college athletics we're we're not revenue revenue generating at right. all we we stay we we spend a lot of money on surgeries and healthcare and stuff like that and specialties um specialty surgeries um you know providing the best health care that we possibly can. But in a lot of ways, we save a ton of money. Um, in, my, in my experience, we never really were putting a value on that individual rehab that we may have done, um, especially when at times you may be seeing people two to three times a day, which is completely unnecessary now that I've been out of it, you know, four years. But um, at, at, the, at the heart of it, when you look at industry, um, if you can find a way to save some money, you're extremely valuable, um, which has been so interesting about this transition is, is 
Um, I've never been revenue generating. I've always been revenue saving, um, which is not an asset until you go to a private company or a private industry and they spend quite a bit of money on occupational injuries and illnesses every year. Um, and then they see the return on their investment from having an athletic trainer around um, providing such a, again, a toolbox of, of skills. Um, and they, and they show, and, and the, the way we connect with people can build the trust and build rapport with employees. Um, the way we see things in terms of biomechanics um, and trying to address issues there and the preventative side um, and doing everything that we can to actually save the company money, which is an asset to them. That's, that's what they, that's kind of what they um, are really mainly focused on. And it's like, where, where can we still maintain a high productivity at the lowest cost, right? Because um, that's just how business works. So we've, sure. we've <clears throat> created such like we have this skill set and we bring it and then we bring this such a high value that the re return on investment to industry is typically three to four dollars for every dollar that's invested um so when they see that they're like they jump on it which is why it's grown so much in the past i feel like even the past year since i've started as in in, in industry itself what is it just Value gets talked about about a lot in AT, you know, just AT value, measuring things, you know, what you reference harder in the secondary setting or e even in the collegiate setting, because um, things get very, obviously, if they were to farm out all of their rehabs and things in those settings, you could then argue you're saving a ton of money, but that's not how that happens. Um, it hasn't been set up that way. But as you just referenced, you know, for every dollar spent, um, they're, you know, saving three or four, if I said that correctly or getting right. back. Yeah. Yeah. Three, three to $4 for every dollar invested. Invested. Sorry. Yes. Invested. What all goes into that three to $4? Like what is, what are they getting back? Is that saving, you know, from time loss as you kind of reference, is it potentially saving, you know, the work comp, some of the aspects of that, like what goes into that return and what is measured? Right. So the, the skills that we bring, I mean, obviously I track what we kind of measure in terms of recordable injuries um, and also um, transitional duty days. So when you look at transitional duty days, they're kind of, it's kind of like light duty I mean, in the military where you're not okay. necessarily getting a training day um, or in that case, a, a work day from that individual because they're, because if they're on light duty, they can't typically do the full scope of their tasks performed at work and in a productivity measured, especially in an environment that has quite a bit of productivity metrics. Um, when you look at the individual employee, you're still paying their regular rate wages while they're on light duty. When you look at those eight hours of, of work that they were paid for, they're, they're getting paid for a job that they're not necessarily hired to do. Um, so when you look at those wages, okay, how can I translate those wages into um, something that's beneficial to show what I'm worth? So in the first six months that I was there, I think we dropped um, anywhere from 600 to 650 to 700 um, transitional duty days just from that time period from the previous, from July of 
July of 2021 to December of 21, from July of 22 to December of 22, we dropped about 650 transitional duty days. So when you calculate the wages for the hours, for the days that you've saved, I mean, I was there for six months and saved like $63,000 on light duty days alone. So there, that's the thing is like tracking these metrics when, when it comes to athletic training, um, I know a lot of people talk about it. It is extremely valuable to, um, to industry and, and hopefully others see the value in that too. But, um, but when it comes to that, there's transitional duty days, there's, you know, expedited care, there's even ergonomic controls where you're preventing injuries before they even happen. Um, so there, there's a lot of value that we bring, even just the basic healthcare stuff that we, that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe checking somebody's blood pressure, um, doing, um, measuring somebody's, uh, blood glucose, you know, if they're, they're diabetic, things like that, that we can, that a skill set that we bring to, um, to everyday college athletes or other, or, or other student athletes, um, that I've done in the past, um, apply that to an everyday person. And the value is just even, even greater because they're, the comorbidities are tend to be a little bit higher. So, um, things like that are extremely valuable to employers to really that really show a value to the healthcare of their, of their employees. And just generally, I mean, a healthier employee is, is a more productive one in general. So, um, they, they see it tenfold usually when we come. Yeah. But that's good for both. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Both the employee and the employer. Right. Exactly. Uh, generally kind of coming into this role, you know, Our skill set, as you mentioned, you know, we're not the Swiss Army Knife. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You know, we're the whole toolbox. Did you come in and just like lay it all out here, or has it been kind of a slow rollout as you've seen situations or um, opportunities where it's kind of like, hey, by the way, we could also do this, or I've got the skill set to do this um, as options, you know, in in your specific role in the industrial setting. I think it's it's I. I think it's really kind of a balancing act. There's things that, you know, there's, there's always, I'm the kind of person where I, I do a lot of observation before I jump in. Um, I don't like to go into places really just, especially in, in an industry that's been around for several decades running a certain way. I've, I have no intention of, of coming in and just, this needs to get done. This needs to get done. And this needs sure. to get done. I can see it immediately, but, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta, unfortunately kind of wait some things out and be able to show your value. For example, like I created a two or three ergonomic changes, 11 months in that I knew were a problem, probably my first month. Um, and I kind of mentioned it the first time. And now, now that I've, I've gained a little bit of rapport and, um, connection with people, um we've got those changes done and it and we're already seeing a benefit to to the employees so um i don't like to uh i don't like to come in and demand like i i, I build rapport and um obviously I educate a lot on on what we do and, but my ultimately i feel like athletic trainers are the ultimate people connectors um i mean the, that's just the environment that we're typically in 
it's a team environment, a work environment, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's usually the people that you're working with are connected to other people right. um, outside of outside of a clinic. So you have that team oriented mentality kind of most places that we've gone. Um, so I try to build that that trust within the individual and that spreads to the team pretty quickly. I see it. I saw it in college athletics. I saw it with the Marine, Marine Corps and I saw it with SOCOM previously, too. So um that's that's what's been successful for me so i've continued to use that and it's and it continues to show success for me is is really connecting with people show, i mean just honestly just being able to talk to them about their day so um and i i feel like i have a hard stop on the first like 30 to 60 days i don't really create any pot like any really change until i connect with people um so it's it's really about rapport for me first and then the changes will come pretty quickly after that i mean when you can create three changes in a month and having a positive impact it's 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 easy to get changes rolling now um but yeah it's uh it's still it's still misunderstood everything that we do so sure. um people <laughs> people see me run the stretches I, that's the kind of one of the first changes that i've made but they also don't realize the wound care aspect that I have, the, I mean, the orthopedic knowledge that I have, I have, you know, um, it, it's, it's, I'm still teaching every day because also we hit, we constantly have new employees. So, sure. and, and, um, again, that's where I see, you, you see the skill set of like, we're knowledgeable in so many things, but some people have only seen me perform that skill once. Right. Um, but I've done it numerous times, other places. Um, or in other experiences. Uh, other things that they see me do every day is running free shift stretch, walking the floor, connecting with people, being, you know, making myself available to people in terms of any healthcare questions that they have. Um, but it goes so far beyond that. He, I finally sat, I sat down with the plant manager about six months ago and he was still like, I am amazed at how much you know and, you know, the experience that you bring and stuff like that. So even then six months in and six months since it's probably still, it's still kind of lost on them, you know, cause they see For sure. one thing consistently and um, a lot of things sparingly. So. Yeah. I've run into that. We do some work with the local fire department we came in kind of from a fitness performance aspect, uh, just the way mm -hmm. to get it set it up. Not so much strictly as the athletic training services and mm -hmm. you know trying to come in and not be like we're forcing you to do this but like i want to know like what are the things of your profession that really are challenging and can i take what you're telling me and implement it into what we're trying to do and then all of a sudden you could see more buy-in and some like lights flickering when we could explain why this was important or you know mimic some different things and really that was always a huge thing is, you know, asking those questions and almost kind of getting it to the point where they are saying what you've wanted to say, but because it's coming from them, it's all, it's now almost more accepted because it was more of their idea, if you will, mm -hmm. um, even though you were wanting to make it happen. I think everything you said is so important to get that and not be the one that's just coming in and changing things for change's sake type of yeah. scenario. Right. Like even, even just talking about, uh, 
like biomechanics and movement, you know, um, no, no movement is necessarily bad until you, you do one particular movement thousands of times, which what some of my workers tend to tend to do because the manufacturing side of things, it's so, yeah, it's so it's repetitive, which makes the work predictable. Um, but, uh, you, you do want one thing wrong one time and, and that's maybe it's not really an issue. And then you do something wrong a thousand times, it becomes an issue really quickly. Um, so even then you, you've got the buy-in of the employees of that have that learned experience of having been injured or hurt or in some way uncomfortable will have some discomfort that buy-in really quickly. And those that haven't been injured buy in a little bit slower. Um, so even I, I just try to share the knowledge that I have in terms of improving and increasing and speeding up that learned experience. Um, I'd rather somebody know how they're going to get hurt um, rather than finding out when they're hurt. Right. That's, that's the big sure. thing in terms of injury prevention. Um, and that's what I tend to see is, is I have a pretty solid 90% buy-in 50% of people that have already been hurt 40% of people that haven't been hurt yet. And 10% of people that are really trying, still trying to get a buy-in. And I think you still always have that kind of 5 10% just about everywhere that you go. It's like you have the 90% that you can reach and are going to reach. And then you have that 10% that are unfortunately either going to have a learned experience themselves or um, it's going to take just a lot, a lot of years in connection with people to um, be able to get those that 10%. But um but uh, try, trying to create change for that many people is, is um, valuable in and of itself when you get, if you can get those nine out of 10 people. Absolutely. And almost every sport, that nine out of 10 would get you into the Hall of Fame. So you're doing pretty good there. And <laughs> some, you'd be the best ever. Uh, kind of going back to your tweet um, and what I said, how I really like that last line, you know, the jack of all trades, uh, the mile wide, inch or two deep, you know, Swiss Army knife have all been used to describe the profession. I've used it to describe the profession. Uh, you had mentioned, you know, we're the whole toolbox. Where did that come from? And how do you, what does it mean? And how would you explain it versus those other kind of descriptors? Well, I was in our maintenance office when I thought of that. So that's where I probably got the toolbox ah, thing. Nice. But, uh, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I've done jack of all trades too. I've done Swiss Army knife. I've said Swiss Army knife a million times. And when you look at what a Swiss Army knife does, it's it's extremely useful. Um, but it's never just as good as a single tool, right? Um, and that's kind of where people like get the, get the point of like, well, we're not specialized in anything. Um, but I would argue that we're generalist specialists. Um, shout out to the DAT for for teaching me that and other experiences, bring, bringing other experiences to that are so applicable in so many realms. Um, in terms of the diversity of our profession, too. Um, but when you look at a Swiss Army knife, right, you're never going to have just like you. You're never going to use that to do a job where you know, like I know I need a screwdriver for this. Yep unless you you just have the Swiss army knife, um, you might use it, but if you have that or a screwdriver, you're going to use a screwdriver that or a larger knife to do a job. You're going to use the larger knife. And that's kind of where I was thinking like, that's, that's not what athletic trainers are though. We're not, 
we're not just the available small little tool that can do things but is not as good in other realms right but we're we really are a toolbox in the fact that that um bringing those i mean literally those other tools that we have um to the table in terms of emergency care and management orthopedics um rehabilitation injury prevention even in the realm that i'm at now ergonomics and looking at things like the hierarchy of control um when you when an i think when an athletic trainer invests in, themselves in um an aspect of their environment or their healthcare, uh they're going to get really good at it and that's why i love the diverse experience that i've had in the last eight years in the profession is that is that i've i've done so many different things and have had so many lived experiences that I can apply that toolbox to everyday employees. But um, really, when you look at the toolbox, it it holds those tools that you need: the screwdriver, um, the wrench. The I mean, they, you can you can take it with you. It's still portable. It's still mobile. Maybe it's maybe there's still something that is more specialized for that particular job. But that toolbox is gonna, if you have a good toolbox, I mean, I talked to my dad about this. Uh, if you have a good toolbox, you can probably take care of um, 80 to 90% of, of all the jobs at home. I mean, look at your, look at a good toolbox that you have at your house. Can you do most mm -hmm. things with a reasonable toolbox? Absolutely. And you can do it to a, to a relatively high level um, based on your handiness. Um, I, I mean, I'm not a handyman myself, but, um, if you have the experience for sure it works i know how to look it up on youtube to at least be dangerous yeah yeah exactly i've changed parts of my truck that i probably shouldn't have on, on youtube <laughs> so um but uh yeah that's that and that's where that came from you know it's 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 um somebody that has so many different you know hands to the fire um tools that we've learned experiences that we've learned um that that really brings that experience and just applies it to whatever environment that we're in and those jobs can get done to a very high level um when you again when you look at the orthopedics rehab the performance side that you've probably done to um the ergonomics that, that i do every day and the biomechanics that that i that i check out and look at um <clears throat> i can guarantee you there's people out there that are better at those jobs than i am i mean i can i can tell you people offhand that right now that i i know are are better at those jobs that are at a different profession than an athletic trainer but if you ask them to do the three or four other things that i think i can do to a really high level they're they're not able to or they don't have that experience which is it's fine because i think everybody has their place in healthcare i'm a big believer in that um and, and i think athletic trainers are in the next five to 10 years to answer, I mean, um, to, to, to kind of preview what you ask most people, I mean, I think they're going to be um, one of the most valuable, if not the most valuable healthcare professional that you can have around outside of probably a nurse. And, he, and even when you look at nursing to compare, compare those two, like the nursing has a diverse amount of settings that they work in athletic trainers are starting to have a diverse amount of settings mm -hmm. that they work in. Um, just our number is so much smaller. Um, right. When I, when I looked at, and that's why people still don't understand that we do what we do. 
Um, there's 55,000 athletic trainers roughly in the United States. And I think there's 4 million nurses. I looked up the stat. I wanted to see this. I was, I was so curious at what percentage of the world we made up. Like, I think I, I, I had another tweet probably like a couple days after that or a week or so after that, because I wanted to know what percentage of athletic trainers made up the population in the United States. And I, I tweeted it wrong. It was like 1.6% initially, but it's really 0.16% of the profession. I think there's, there's one athletic trainer to every, um, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but it's like 6,000 people or something like that. Sure. Sure. Um, when you look at the skill set that we bring, um, I mean, our, our population is still so small yep. and that's why we don't necessarily have the recognition that, that we do, um, because we've had been in those sm smaller niche areas. And I think we're really starting to expand and reach more people out there. That's a really good point. How, how like how you worded that, um, since you were previewing and semi jumping ahead, anything else around this topic and the tweet and that you want to talk about? If not, we can jump into the rest of the athletic training chat questions. Um, yeah, it's, um, really, I want to, I want to touch on, I mean, those, I, I think I'll probably just talk about what I see from five to 10 years, you know, for the athletic training profession, like, and I, and I love Andy Hayes, uh, from go for who's, uh, just uh, probably the the strongest advocate for athletic training from a non-AT standpoint that I've ever sure. seen. Um, but he says the, that athletic trainer is going to be the most in-demand um, healthcare professional by 2030. And I really believe that. I, I really strongly do. Um, I think even at a point in 2020 during COVID where I thought about leaving the profession and I realized that um, – you know, I did a lot of reading like you, Joel, I, I'm not as well read as you, but um, I do, I do some reading. And, and um, when you talk about the generalist specialist and just the idea of what we are and who we can be and where we're going in comparison to where we've been, even in eight years ago, when I was, when I started as an athletic trainer, um, I really strongly believe with, with the unfortunate and fortunate attention that we've gotten recently in the terms of that we were there when we when we're needed and we people realize how strong of an asset we are to have around. Um, I really think that the diversity and skill set that we have is really gonna really just gonna blow up in the next seven to ten years, really in terms of job opportunities and locations and really trying to be competitive in a space of of trying to get the most well-rounded, knowledgeable athletic trainer um that has experienced numerous things i know you and i have both have kind of a, a little bit of a diverse background in terms of athletic training we've changed from the traditional setting and and um i think those year i think those traditional settings are still extremely valuable um even if the pay is terrible i learned you can learn so much in one year um, or two years um you know and i still think i still think those pay some of those pays need to double um, and I think we're going to get there, but uh, I, I wouldn't completely write it off, write off those experience, um, those, those years of opportunity for um, younger athletic trainers, um, if they have the, the desire to kind of work those longer hours 
I, I will say in, in a year, my first two years in athletic trainer, I think I, <laughs> I learned probably about 75% of what I know now. Sure. Um, it's, cr it's crazy how much you learn um, when it's being thrown at you so often. Um, but taking those diverse experiences and applying it to, to everyone is, is extremely valuable. And, and again, I, I can't wait to see where we're at by 2030. Um, and, and seeing those salaries probably jump up tremendously based on, um, where we've even just been in the last year, um, a huge advocate for, for paying just for the availability of an athletic trainer. Um, most, I, I do, I do quite a bit of per diem work and I think that's going to, that's going to also expand too, but I also love that stuff because I can lay the groundwork for people that have never had an experience with an athletic trainer before. Absolutely. Um, so selfishly, I love being that first athletic trainer that they've ever, uh, spoken to because I, um, have a heart of a teacher and, and try to, um, educate those parents and, and those, those, um, I mean, a lot of times they're kids, 15, 16 year old kids on what's going on and how to take care of it. So, um, but I, I think, I think that's where I see us going in, in 10 years or so, we're going to be, um, hopefully our population is, the athletic training population has tripled at that point and we're still having a job shortage or athletic trainer shortage, quote unquote, um, of not being able to find athletic trainers even for good high paying jobs. Um, right. that's, that's my hope and that's my dream. Um, I like it. Yeah. so yeah, I could talk another hour on that, but <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll save it for the next one. Yeah. Um, just because I, unfortunately am on a time crunch, we're going to jump around here a little bit, but, uh, what has been the most influential resource you found in your career? Oh, that is a tough one. Um, influential resource. Again, I'm, um, it's hard for me to say just because I take from everybody. I think everybody's got such a, a, a useful skill set. Um, it, would it be cliche for me to say like the athletic trainer, um, just generally, um, because nope. that, that's, I was going to uh, say you pretty much answered, I thought in your last one, when you kind of said, you know, just the experiences that you got. And picking up, you know, seventy five percent of what you know in those first couple of years, I, I think that is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, yeah, I I love um I I I there's I pick and choose a lot of different like even just continuing education opportunities, but again, our skill set is so diverse, and um, some people specialize in certain areas yep. uh, within athletic training specifically. But um, yeah, I mean, the athletic trainer is the the can be the best and or, or like can be the, the the best ally and the worst enemy of the athletic trainer unfortunately you get opposite ends of the spectrum um but when you find a really dedicated athletic trainer that is um really focused on getting themselves getting themselves better as an athletic trainer and trying to use those learned experiences and and provide those resources to the younger athletic trainers, I think is that's extremely valuable when you can find somebody that's willing to, um, that's willing to share what they've learned because there's, there's, um, there's, there's so much, um, 
um, value in the wisdom of an experienced athletic trainer. Um, even I just spoke to him the other day, but Don Moreno over at New Mexico state, he gave me my, he, he, uh, gave me my shot at New Mexico state after I gave him probably the worst, uh, interview of my life, um, for a GA position. But, um, from day one, he trusted me, but also just guided me in a way where I said, I, you know, I've learned so much and, um, he, he believed in me to make the right decisions when, when the, when the time came and, um, and, uh, but also we could sit down in his office and, and he'll, we could look back and, uh, see how I manage the case and say, Hey, um, try this next time, try this next time. And just be open to the idea of improving yourself as an athletic trainer, um, from those experienced athletic trainers, because it really is when you find the ones that really truly care, um, the, honestly, the, the best thing about this profession is connecting with other people, but, but really seeing that light bulb click for, for somebody else that, uh, with a, through a shared experience is, um, I mean, so, so valuable to me and has been um, to me in my in my career so far. As an athletic trainer in your role, how do you take care of yourself? Oh, um, I just, I kind of picked up gardening recently, honestly. Nice. I tried to, like, it's uh, it's kind of cool. It's like my dad's been a, a garden for forever, but like I'm trying to grow pumpkins this year. So um, that's actually been kind of fun to see. Um, I have two dogs that I spend quite a bit of time with, um, you know, and uh, everything that I can do to try to disconnect and, and reset my mind. Um, I mean, even if it's just video games or just relaxing on the couch or working out or lifting weights and stuff like that. So um, 40, when you work 40 hours a week, there's so much time now <laughs> for other things. It is so, nice. Uh, so, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different things that I do, but I think gardening is kind of like my top one right now, to be honest with you. That's oh, one of my dogs. Yeah. Uh, last one. Uh, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, honestly, the knowing that I am probably in orthopedics, the most diverse skill set frontline athletic or frontline healthcare provider um and, and um really having the privilege to gain the trust of others when they're probably needing help the most you know to be able to be that person that that other people can um share their pain with and um their progress with so um you know, healthcare is a privilege and, and we're privileged every day to be able to help. I'm privileged every day to be able to help um, people that work in a warehouse. I mean, it reminds me of my parents. So, Awesome. If people want to reach out with, to you, connect with you, ask questions, what would be the best way for them to do so? Yeah, I, uh, I'm on Twitter sparingly now. I used to be quite active, but... Um, Sam G underscore ATC is my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle. So you guys, I guess, I guess you could find me on threads too. Um, there, that's a thing now. Um, yes, I'm, pretty active, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. It's just, just Sam Arredondo. If you can search me up and it'll athletic trainer, you'll find me. Um, I think I'm the only person with that name. So.
Awesome. Well, I appreciate you elaborating on the tweet and providing a new way for me to describe uh, what we do. Uh, so that is much appreciated and we'll definitely do a follow-up to talk more about uh, the evolution of the profession uh, in the future. For sure. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you took away a couple unique ways to describe the profession and just the versatility that we bring to the table as athletic trainers. Uh, I know, again, it was very useful for me to hear a lot of those things. Uh, we just want to thank you for listening. Uh, with your support, we do run an ad for Spotify Podcast. We appreciate you listening to that. Every small amount of money that we get from that goes directly into either our Throw a Lifeline program or we have now been able to donate two Mueller uh, recovery tubs to uh, a couple of athletic trainers that truly needed them to help prevent um, anything catastrophic from happening with exertional heat illness. So directly got funded by the listeners of this podcast. So we thank you so much for that. I really hope you continue and that if there's people you want to hear, let us know. If you want to be speaking, also let us know. We'd be happy to talk to you. Uh, but we hope to catch you next episode. And thank you again for listening.